Section 13, end of the beginning. I need to get off my feet, Julie Larson. As we closed in on the release mid-1992, the product needed a name. Naming products at Microsoft was known to be somewhere between painful and traumatic. That proved to be so for my first experience. I already learned that my accidental naming of Microsoft Foundation classes caused two problems. One was a cease and desist order from a French bank over the use of the acronym MFC as a software and banking were in the same trademark category. This made us spell out Microsoft Foundation classes everywhere, which led to the second problem of absurd complexity and grammatical gymnastics in our volumes of documentation. Oh well. It was clear the compiler was going to be version 8, because compilers just get version numbers and continue to. C8, as everyone called it, ultimately became the world's best and most industrial strength C++ compiler. It was an achievement. MFC 1.0, I'm stubborn about the acronym here, was officially bumped to version 2. Class wizard and app wizard names remained. Composer became the visual centerpiece of the product and gained the name App Studio, which was how we competed with Next Step Interface Builder. Naming the individual pieces was easy. What to call the entire product was tricky. Microsoft was notorious for finding it difficult to arrive at simple names. In this case, calling the whole collection of tools C++ 8.0 or something seemed descriptive, and the logical successor to C++ 7.0 seemed lame, and not all that competitive with Turbo from Borland. As we debated, some advocated reusing the Quick moniker, but that represented the low-end or amateur program. It was complex. In the meantime, Microsoft Languages had a huge hit product on its hands, Microsoft Visual Basic, or VB. VB came out of nowhere. It was a combination of Microsoft's basic language runtime with a Windows-based forms editor and runtime, an idea originally seeded by an email question from Bill G. A runtime, a runtime library, provides programmers with additional capabilities that can be accessed by the programmer as a form of reusable code. Some runtimes provide simple capabilities such as basic math functions, while others can provide sophisticated capabilities for creating games or connecting to databases. Runtimes were, in many ways, the heart and soul, as well as a secret sauce ingredient of the early PC era. BASIC had a runtime. DBASE had a runtime. Runtimes were even a vibrant market where developers could buy special purpose ones for use in their applications. These runtimes presaged the world today of APIs and services. The online version has a screenshot of Visual Basic 1.0 for Windows released in 1991. GUI forms were windows with buttons, checkboxes, menus, and more associated with them. Bill G. loved forms and would spend the next decade pushing for more and better implementations from many different groups. VB pioneered the ability to rapidly draw a form, then use the basic language to perform all of the logic of an application called Code Behind Forms. VB 1.0 released approximately 18 months earlier, but took the world by storm, particularly among professional developers inside of corporations. In codename shorthand, VB was Ruby plus EB. EB was short for the embedded basic runtime, and Ruby was the codename for the forms package, and together they had the codename Thunder. A version of the forms package was created independently by Alan Cooper and acquired by Microsoft. Allen was later honored as an original Windows pioneer and is known as the father of Visual Basic for his work. Coincidentally, Visual Basic was also loosely an ancestor in the Quick family of products, and the original editor and development environment derived from Quick Basic. It seemed logical then that the new C++ product should take on a similar naming scheme. 
There were a lot of meetings, a great deal of consternation, and even some lawyers. It turned out that the success of VB spawned a cottage industry of people registering product names derived from Visual, even before Microsoft. The various languages marketing teams agreed to start a family of products, first with Visual Basic, then Visual C++. Microsoft also worked to secure a few other names, though Visual COBOL never made it to market. While he called the product VC++, Bill stubbornly insisted on calling it VC for some reason. The online version has a photo of the VC++ box. Before we launched Visual C++, I attended a fall 1992 meeting hosted by Microsoft at the original Northrop building, Microsoft's second Bellevue location after moving from their downtown location in the early 1980s. Down State Road 520 and adjacent to Burgermaster, it was then home to Microsoft University, aka MSU, which created books and training materials for Microsoft products. At this meeting, local commercial companies talked about their experience using the new C++ compiler and tools from Microsoft, specifically why they chose Microsoft over Borland, which was all we cared about. The online version has a photo of the Northrop building. Seattle was home to a couple of large independent companies building Windows software back then. The largest among them was Aldous, creators of PageMaker and inventors of the desktop publishing software category. PageMaker was an early Windows app and one of the first to require a mouse. And it was also a big product with a lot of code. Winning them as a customer over Borland was a big deal. When it came time to present, the PageMaker engineering manager made a strong case for why Microsoft's product was solid. She presented a full suite of all this benchmarks for compile time, the time to produce a running program from source code, and runtime performance for key operations. PageMaker was computation intensive and highly dependent on how well C++ generated code. She also talked about the transition from C to C++ and value of standards compilant compilers like Microsoft in their rewrite of PageMaker for modern Windows. All in all, it is fair to say she did a great pitch for Microsoft. Sitting in the back with a few members of the team, we were beaming with pride. After the presentation, I went to thank the presenter. She introduced herself as Julie Larson. We talked for quite a bit in the parking lot about their internal C++ library, which sounded surprisingly old AFX-like, as she described by another speaker, the architect of that. And after a while, she mentioned it was late, and I need to get off my feet, as she glanced downwards towards the ground. I was a bit confused by that comment, and then realized she was pregnant, something I might have noticed at first, and then did that awkward thing one might do to avoid looking down or commenting. Microsoft would soon experience its first baby boom, having just gone through the first wave of 30th birthday parties. I mention this only because while on leave with her new daughter, Katie, she was recruited by Denis Gibert, email Denis G, the new general manager of VC++ to join the team. This chance meeting and Denis' strong recruiting work began an incredibly important Microsoft career. Julie Lahr, as she would become known, would go on to be a key leader, along with many of the alumni of the VC++ product cycle, in the elevation of Visual C++ to Visual Studio product line. Later, she became arguably the company's most significant leader and manager in building human-centric Microsoft products. For me, the meeting with her was a start of an incredibly important product development partnership. Leading up to the launch event, I was quite busy learning the ropes with the press, something that I would end up doing a lot more of for the rest of my time at Microsoft. The focus of the VC++ product messaging ended up being the ability to create Windows programs, and that made me a good spokesperson. We spent a lot of energy trying to move the evaluation criteria for compilers from compilation speed and code size to how fast a Windows program could be written and how easy it was to modify it. 
The state of the art in evaluating products, perhaps represented best by the elaborate labs at Byte Magazine or PC Magazine, was to have dozens of PCs running all sorts of automated tests dozens of times, averaging the results and compiling endless tables of comparisons. These labs were incredible and rivaled our own in-house testing labs. There was a strong desire to distill the results down to quantitative measures that readers loved, which always posed a challenge when working to tilt evaluation criteria towards what we were strong at. Ultimately, VC++ did well in reviews, but still took a few years to win over the hearts of developers, even if we went over the minds. The online version includes the PC Magazine review and criteria, along with winning Editor's Choice. In the early 1990s, the press reviewed products in two waves. Usually at RTM, the next issue of a monthly or weekly would have a first look, short form article that was usually not much more than the voice of the company, perhaps with a little doubt as to execution or a little bit of wait and see. Then after a few months and an additional editorial calendar opening became available, an in-depth review would appear. These reviews were often the work of a full team of weeks or months of dedicated work from benchmarks to real-world usage across leading products in the category. The most fun was the trek up to Byte Magazine's offices in rural New Hampshire in what was a converted agriculture or bovine research facility of some kind. No, really, it had huge elevators to move cows around. The trip there always included a stayover, because we were well outside the day trip distance, in the famous Jack Daniels Motor Inn and eating at the, at the Peterborough Diner. Photos of both of those are included in the article online. Today, the only equivalent of reviews like we used to receive are those that run in Ars Technica. A typical review would be 10 or more pages with several full-page tables. Part of visiting each publication, usually for a half day or more, was an attempt to influence the rows of all those tables. What criteria would be evaluated? While we were adversaries in a sense, I made a ton of great friends on those trips across editors and writers. I mentioned these trips and the reviews because Jeff had instilled in me an absolute obsession with reviews and digging in and reading them in depth. This was quite different than what you hear about people in other creative fields that stay away from the potential criticism reviews or reviewers who aren't necessarily skilled or whatever. Jeff's view and that of apps was the opposite and reviews were everyone's jobs to understand, read, and absorb. And not just our reviews, but the competition as well. Bill G. read all the reviews too, and he always was current and up to date. Losing a review was almost a guarantee that you'd receive email that day asking why. Everything was in the home stretch. That meant while people were coming to work to triage and investigate, it always appeared as though they were not doing much but postponing issues and rerunning tests. In the projects of this scale and duration, there is an irony that productivity dropped to effectively zero at the end of the project. Making any change was always more risky than shipping whatever was being fixed. Their online edition has the Byte Magazine review that was several pages long. The group product manager in charge of marketing for the languages business picked a launch date and a venue at the Software Developer Conference, SD93, in February at the Santa Clara Convention Center. The event featured black tie presenters and an orchestra theme, Visualize Your Masterpiece. This venue was generally where big tools for developers were launched, and the newly recruited marketing leader, Jim McCarthy, email Jim McSee, pulled out all the stops for the huge event. Back in Redmond, in our AFX hallway, there was clearly a well-earned sense from Jeff of mission accomplished. He had led the creation of a new team, alignment of strategies across the historically strong-minded languages group, 
and created a new category of professional development tools for Windows and in Windows. To some, he redeemed himself from that Word experience. We accomplished the Bill G goal of not making the same mistakes again. The two years by went by, went by quickly, and even though I felt like I had wasted a lot of time early on, looking back at what we accomplished would not have been possible without all we'd endured. I learned the classic engineering lesson that every failure is simply practice for success. The online version has a very special photo for me, which is the full AFX group at the time that we shipped. The introduction of Windows 3.0 and products like Visual C++ for Windows marked the end of the first era of personal computing and the start of the transition into the next. While Windows 3.0 and 16-bit successors were the overwhelming customer choice, attention already shifted to full, native, or real 32-bit computing as shown by Windows NT previews. Win32 is where developers wanted to be. In fact, a turnaround of Visual C++ 1.0 specifically for Windows NT was in the works. The online version includes the, the logo and code name for that project called Barracuda. The GUI revolution was about to kick off a colossal expansion of computing throughout the workforce and home. And then the internet accelerated that. Or perhaps it enabled the internet beyond anything imagined in Redmond. The online version includes a chart of PC versus Mac sales for that time. Culturally within Microsoft, I came to understand that in a sense, I completed my schooling in the worldview of apps and I fully embraced that culture. This was almost certainly preordained by my path to Microsoft, having started out in computing building business apps and at each step, I saw the product built through the lens of the end user or business problem rather than from the bottom up or technology perspective. The Microsoft apps culture was also one that held a distinct view of how teams are led and managed and products planned and executed, distinct from the traditions I saw in systems and languages. Jeff had created a little apps island in the sea of language and systems when he created the AFX team. My apps perspective would stay with me for the rest of my career. I owe everything to Jeff and he was not done supporting me. Having said that, while that perspective would prove transformative for me as a future manager, there were also times it would test me. With 1993 coming to an end, the team geared up for future releases, including the transformation of VC++ to Visual Studio. I too was ready to build on our successful product. My mentor Jeff and HR leader Natalie Yount, email Natalie Y, had different plans for me as I was about to find out. 